Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. This is the intro and that's recorded. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Footwork. Today we have a very, very special guest. Um, we had a very, we had about an hour conversation on uh, video chat last week. And since then, I've been excited to record this episode and uh, excited for you to meet him and hear, him, hear his story. Today we have Michael Fulton. Welcome to Footwork. What up, what up? Appreciate you guys for having me, man. As you said, I was looking forward to this all week. Mm -hmm. But it's crazy because it seemed like we talked yesterday. Days in the Army just feel like minutes. They go yeah. by so quick. <laughs> so it happens when you're busy, right? Yeah. When I heard when I heard about your guys' conversation, I got to say I was very, very jealous to have not been there. It just seemed like <laughs> amazing. But this is, I mean, just like you said, I've been looking forward to this all week, so. I'm what sure we'll get what right into it. Oh, I hung up the phone with you, Mike, and I was hyped. I was like, yo, Dylan, <laughs> we got a guest for next week. Don't Sean worry can about speak. it. Sean I can, can barely you, speak, Michael. It'll be like, yeah, it'll be an incredible episode. But yeah. I ain't gonna lie. I called my girl. I was trying to be cool. I was like, ah, just be cool. Stay relaxed. I called my girl. I was like, man, you ain't gonna believe this. I talked to these two dudes. She was like, how you meet them? I was like, my landlord. But I was, I was hella hyped. As soon as I hung up, I started calling people. Some of the other guys, too, from, uh, from Charlie Mike, I told them as well. They was hyped as hell. Mm. They were really hyped. Yeah, I'm very Yeah, uh, I mean, very excited. I can't wait to hear, hear more, but just it seemed like we have just a lot of ideas or at least like mental thoughts in common. So, I mean, I guess, I, I mean, where do we start, Sean? I don't know, like, from yeah, the beginning? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think that's Hold what on. we do. Go ahead. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta tell the backstory of how the conversation started. Yeah, because okay. Sean, yeah. Sean told me he was like, "Man, I didn't know what to expect." I was like, "I'm gonna just message this dude. I don't know what the fuck to yeah. say." Yeah. He slid on your, he slid in your DMs, yes. right? So here it is. It is. It actually is important and very funny how it started. So, like Mike said, he, this started from his landlord. His landlord's name is Stefan, and Stefan uh, is like. Uh, because you could just say a friend or help works with my girlfriend in real estate, a mentor for her. And he heard about me through her. And I guess he thought it would be a good idea that we, Mike and I meet each other and maybe we could work with each other at some point because we have a very similar story or like we think he thought there was something there. So then my girlfriend tells me, Hey, you should, uh, Stefan told me that you should message this guy on Instagram. And I was like, okay. Like, I want to message some random guy on Instagram. <laughs> like, what are you, what am I going to say to this guy? And uh, weeks went by, two weeks go by and saying, Hey, did you message him yet? Did you message him yet? No, no, no. Just making excuses. And like three weeks later, I'm like, all right, I don't know what I'll say, but I'll let me just message him. So I'm like, Hey, my name's Sean Bimberg. I'm in Germany and playing in the fourth tier here. I have a podcast about dream chasing footwork. I don't know what your friend Stefan told me, told about you. Um, but yeah, just saying hello. And then you're like, yeah, let's hop on or let's meet. We were going to meet, <laughs> but COVID, uh, COVID didn't allow that. So we just hop on a call, just start talking. And then 60 minutes later, we're like, dude, we need to stop talking. Let's get on a podcast because this is, this is gold. Yeah. Um, I say on my end, I, I'm, I'm glad that I, I did. Um, I was open to it. 
I started approaching it as I had to learn how to communicate with the people I was following, following and uh, try to actually build relationships. So when you message me, normally I didn't know people. I was like, look, man, I'm tired as hell. I just need to focus on doing this and that. And then I was like, okay, let me engage the conversation. You know, he messaged me, let me see who he is. You messaged back and he was like, hey, I think you said um, Stefan told me about you, whatever, yeah. then we went from there. I was like, okay, I don't know what the hell we're gonna talk about, but <laughs> let me be open about it. So you called, I was like, I'm gonna just see how it goes. I thought, like you said, I thought we were gonna sit on the phone the first two minutes and just be like, all right, man, nice talking to you. Yeah. yeah you take care. You good, and yeah. It was like, it's, it's gonna sound gay, but it was like, we hit it off, like, right off the bat. Yeah. Just hearing his story, his background, how he got to where he was. And then, you know, he asked me a few questions about, you know, my background, how I got to where I am. And then we found that we had a lot of common traits, a lot of uh, similar characteristics. And it goes to show, mm -hmm no matter where you're from, you know, if your goal is to be great or a better person, um, you're going to find yourself with the same characteristics as those people who are. Exactly. Spot on. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's, we've, we've definitely learned that throughout this, that people, despite whatever path they've taken, uh, we have so many similarities with everyone that's been on and everyone a part of footwork. And we continue to, to meet people like you, um it's very cool to hear but your story is is first of its kind here let's say that so mike give us uh you know where'd you grow up where are you from um so i i grew up in Pineville, louisiana warville uh family most of my family was from derrida louisiana that's i didn't live there i wasn't raised there but it just always felt like home. It's a small country town, kind of like what I live in right now. But Palmville, Warville was like, uh, it was a twin city with Alexandria. And it was basically a hood, you know, and I had to learn quick. Either you, you know, you become an alpha male, you, you let motherfuckers like talk to you crazy and you walk around with no respect. I don't, I can't even remember what triggered it or you become the guy who nobody wants to mess with. Not necessarily meaning you go around, fight everybody or, you know, trying to prove a point, but you just show you stand your ground. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where, that's where I was from. And that's where I was raised. I moved to Houston uh, right after graduating high school. Now Houston, that feels like home to me. I would rather be in no place, but Houston, I'll go visit. Louisiana, but Houston is home. Houston's home. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. And 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 growing up, you know, talk more about it. Um, how was how was family life growing up? So I mean, so we go. You want to do like we did last time? Yeah, yeah. I so think I it's. Like, okay. I think it's a, a big part of the story. So, for me, man, um, I have. Uh, I guess you could say, I, I'm not even gonna say, I guess I grew up in a dysfunctional family. I hate to say it, 90% of, you know, African-Americans grow up that way to where it's a dysfunctional family where the father's not there, the mother's not there. Um, but growing up for me, my father, he 
couldn't physically be present until I turned about 14. He was in prison from the age of maybe four to 14. <clears throat> so the time I did see him, I would go visit him in prison. And um, crazy thing is, even when he was locked up, I, I always felt connected to my pops. It was like, I could feel him no matter what I was. Um, my mother, she was like, she was, um, she lived in a women's shelter. She lived in a women's shelter till I was about age 11, 10 or 11. Uh, I lived with my grandmother in the meantime. Uh, my grandmother on my father's side, she was taking care of myself, uh, my uncle, and also my pops, helping him get what he needed while he was in prison. Uh, my grandmother, she was, she was a janitor. She worked at a group home and, you know, she would do some illegal stuff, you know, sell drugs here and there, some marijuana, nothing, nothing crazy on the deep end, but sell weed here and there just to make ends meet. Um, but for me, in that younger age, my uncle was kind of the person to teach me or give me a gift to keep me away from the streets or making the same decisions that they did by giving me a basketball. I was maybe five years old. He gave me a basketball, told me stand here, dribble side to side. I fell in love with it. I would play basketball from like 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. I wake up, get my basketball. We were so poor, I was wearing old pair of my mother tennis shoes. I would grab her tennis shoes, a pair of jeans that was probably too small in the basketball and dribble all day from morning to night. And uh, that really led my childhood. Uh, once I, my mother got out of the women's shelter, we moved to Palmville, Warville, Louisiana. And um, basketball was still the, the key part of my life, but I started to meet different kinds of people. Uh, the people, like I mentioned out there, like I mentioned earlier, the people out there were more aggressive. So it wasn't the same environment where my family was. It was more of loving because it was my family, but my family wasn't loving, if that makes sense. Like anybody outside of family, like it was like, who the fuck are you? Like, mm. you know, excuse my language, but like, you know, that's that was their mentality. Everybody in my family, and I hate to, it's, it's not to brag, but everybody in my family, they were known for something that wasn't good. I had an uncle, Uncle Tiger. Uh, he's known across the, the whole parish. The police department was scared of this guy. Um, another uncle who's serving life sentence for multiple murder charges. Um, that was just the mentality, short-tempered, ready to fight, always something to prove. Well, going there, I it was natural for me to have it. So when I got in the environment, it was like, okay, we can, we can do that. And I was the guy, when I got to the age of 13, you sat in my seat, this is a real story too. If you sat in my seat, we gonna fight. And it was to show people, like, I'm not the guy you gonna push over. Mm -hmm. Like dude sat in my seat, never forget. I had a little small click, just like the movies, you know, one guy, <laughs> three kids with him and I approached him like you know hey you know I sit right here he like so man I don't give a fuck you know it's a seat your name ain't on it I say well it don't have to be you know I sit here long story short beat the guy up he got expelled I got three days of suspension only and I'm I'm just bit 
I'm just being straightforward only because I was a basketball star. The principal didn't want to expel me uh, and kept me there. But that was my whole middle school to high school. Always something to prove in basketball. Uh, uneducated, um, real raw and uncut. Basically, I was just hooded shit, strong Louisiana accent, short tempered. That was me. Um, but I started realizing in that that area, because in high school, I had moved to my grandmother's house, my step grandmother. And because I was recruited for basketball to high school, that neighborhood was even worse than where I was. At that point, I was living in the Sonia quarters. And the Sonia quarters, just to give you an example, coming home from school on a bus, this is a one situation. We couldn't drive down the street because it was blocked off by at least 30 police cars. It was two twin brothers by the barbershop I used to get my hair cut at, shooting at the cops, having a shootout. One of them was killed, one of them arrested, but it took 30 cops. We're sitting on a bus, and we're watching this on the bus as it's happening. Um, but going there, it was a whole nother level. You know, luckily I had friends as well who played basketball, wanted to do better. Um, that kept me away from it. But then I had to put on a whole nother layer of, like, I'm not that dude. Like, I'm always ready to fight. Mm -hmm. uh, moved back to Warville. And going into my senior year, my goal has always been at that age and coming up was to go to the NBA, just being straightforward. In my mind, I was going to the NBA, nothing else matters. When I get there, I'm gonna buy my mama house, take out the hood. You know how the story goes. Mm. Uh, senior year came, I had scholarships. I had looks, division one schools that were interested, um, no major ones, just uh, mid-major. Uh, Magnese and all of those schools. My GPA was shit because I only went to school to play basketball. I didn't take my academics serious. I was at a 1.9 graduating high school. Wow. You guys still here? Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. I was at a 1.9 graduating high school. I kid you not, my whole mentality was from that point, I'm going to get to college, I'm going to be a starter go to a major D1 from there because I know that's possible. Then I get to the NBA. This is the only thing that was on my mind. I didn't think anything else through. Get to college. The first thing the counselor asked me was, okay, what is your major? My response was, major, what's that? I'm here to play basketball. I had no idea what a, a major was in college at all. My whole mindset was, I'm going here to play ball, going to the NBA. And for me, that's when I felt that I started to wake up to there's a bigger world outside of the hood, outside of basketball. I need to figure out what the fuck is going on. It was a slow process. Um, and once basketball started ending, I quickly realized, and it's always been in the back of my mind. So I was real strategic with, with how I carried myself. At that point, I was like, okay, I really got to do something different. I'm not going to be like these guys. So I would purposely... When I say I had a strong Louisiana accent and it was very hood, you probably couldn't understand much of what I was saying. I made a decision that I was going to, one, be the person that I was looking for my whole life that I only saw on TV. Like, I had no role models, none that I wanted to be, like the right. Denzel Washington, the men, the black men who were professional, 
had a healthy marriage, treated their families right, good financial situation. I never, I hadn't seen that. So I decided I was gonna make myself that. I, I didn't know what it looked like. The only person I saw was Chris Paul. He had a decent haircut, he spoke proper, <laughs> and he he dealt with people well. I'll be honest, that was the first, mm -hmm. the first person. So I was like, okay, first thing I need to do is stop getting tattoos. My first tattoo I got when I was 13. Stop getting tattoos, start getting, you know, decent haircuts and be consistent with it. I used to get designs all over my head, a bunch of stuff. So cleaned up my look. I had to Google. When I tell you I was Googling different attires to wear, I would Google what's appropriate to wear to a wow. freaking movie date. What's appropriate to wear on a regular day. Yeah. I would Google this stuff. I was Googling how a man should treat a woman on a first date. How I would treat how I would treat a woman on the first day was not what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to really create who I was now, like intentionally. When I would speak to people, they wouldn't know I was really good. I was having a conversation in my head while they were speaking to me. Like they would be talking to me, and I would say, "Okay." In my head, I would be thinking, "Okay, when you say this, take your time, pronounce it this way, say it that way." Mm -hmm as they're talking to me because I'm teaching myself how to speak, how to speak properly and, right. and creating myself at the same time. Um, but shortly after that, get to college, I get a good rhythm, you know, and my sister was murdered. So then my mom, she had to take care of my, ne my niece and nephews. So initially it, it didn't, and I'm being honest with you, it didn't bother me as much because I had been through so much at the time, man. I'm skipping so much stuff. I had been through so much at the time that I was emotionally numb. Like I didn't feel much. Mm. Like I had put this, this thing in my mind to where don't allow yourself to stay hurt or sad too long. Like hurry up, brush yourself off so you can move forward because I start learning, you know, through relationships with women and failures or shortcomings, the longer I stay hurt or sad, it's taking time away that I can be making progression. So I start, I would get over a heartbreak in like a week <laughs> and be moving forward. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I didn't feel it, I was numb. But as a recent, you know, when I say recent in the past year, it's, it's just catching up with me to like, damn, like my sister is, is gone. A lot of time I could have spent with her, she really just needed me. And the crazy thing about it was that the guy who she, you know, that did it to her, when I would come around, he would act as if he was the, he just came off as a real soft type of guy. So in my mind, I had no worries about it. And then my mom knew because my mom, it was times when my mom had to pull me out of fights from, you know, fighting somebody. So she didn't tell me and she didn't tell me until afterwards that this was going on because she knew how I was. So all of this stuff started to come back. But I, I think for me, you know, from being homeless, from being engaged, cheated on, like I skipped so much, man, but all of this stuff, even the fights I had that I lost, I ain't win every fight. The fights that I lost, the fights that I got jumped, the hood fights, you know, the, the small town, Pineville, for me, the good and the bad is my motivation because all of those, all of those guys, to me, played a part in me becoming who I am. 
But more importantly, it was all done because of ignorance and they just didn't know better. And for me, that's a reason to keep pushing forward. So I wake up like most army officers, I don't know if you guys know, most army officers, if I'm being real with you, they come from really good backgrounds. Like their parents had this planned out, like you're gonna do this, when you get here, you're gonna do that. I ain't come from that shit. And most mm -hmm. people assume it because when they see me, they see this clean cut guy who communicates well sometimes with, with people depending on what the discussion is. So they assume that I come from that background and they can't figure out why they can't relate to me like they do other officers. But it's because it's two completely different backgrounds. Right. Now, I mean, damn, Mike, I, I mean, there's some new stuff in there that I didn't hear last time we spoke, but a lot of heavy stuff. But how did, I mean, I don't even know where to start. Like growing up in an environment like that, it was, uh, you mentioned like you don't have anyone to look to. Like you don't have, there's no one in your circle that you can look at like, hey, I want to, I want to be that guy in person. Like the only thing you're seeing, you said is Chris Paul or Denzel Washington or people on TV, but there's no one that you can physically talk to in person or mm -hmm. use them as an example um, to speak, to act, how to dress exactly. And like what made you think or whatever gave you the idea? Like, Hey, I don't want to be the hood. Like I'm in the hood now, but this doesn't define me. And I, I want to change this because it's, it's, it's easy to let your situation define you and yeah. people in, in much situations that are not nearly as bad as that. Um, they almost feel sorry for themselves and it's easy just to stay, stay put and do yeah. what your parents do or do what your friends are doing. But to go against the grain, and I'm sure you had a lot of pushback from friends or maybe you had to separate from friends that were doing the wrong things. You know, how, how did you make that, that choice and decision? Like, hey, this is not, this is, I really need to change. Well, I'm, I'll first I'll say, man, because there are people who live in situations much worse than mine. I'm grateful that I've never been shot at, but I've been in situations where guns were shot. Mm -hmm. You know, it was never pointed at me. But there are some people who are in the same environment or some environments that were much worse. I'm just somebody who, I guess you can say, I kind of went through the back door <laughs> mm -hmm. without getting spotted. Um, but for me, I think what helped me to answer your question, get through that, is at a young age, man, when I say at a young age, that's since the age of like five, I've always, and I'm so serious when I say this, I've always heard God talking to me directly. It was much clearer as a kid. Like as a kid, a five-year-old kid, a voice saying like, you're gonna be really great. You're gonna do these things. You're gonna impact people. And to add to it, my grandmother would speak words over me. Like she would, and I don't know if she did it intentionally or unintentionally, but as she kept me as a child, you know, she would, she would tell me words like, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Just always believe in yourself. Don't let nobody tell you anything different. But when you're telling a kid that and a kid really believes it because a kid believes whatever his parent tells him. That's like programming a kid to something that can never be unwired, especially when it's from someone that loves them. So I think from that, from having such a relationship with God, not because it was taught, but because I've always heard his voice, 
And then the love support, even though it was just from my grandmother, I think that's what always kept me looking forward to where I want to be and not where I am, even to this day, like where I want to go. Like, I don't give a, you know, I don't care what's going on right here or right now. It's where I want to go. Right. Man, I love that. I mean, it's, it's the, the finding a goal and looking to get there and not being phased by your current situation. I mean, there's a lot to say about that. And then, you know, how did you decide that the army was, was the right thing to do? Or maybe you saw the army as an escape or a way to become the man you wanted to be? I think because I knew. It's, I, I think I knew that. I needed something outside of myself to push me to another level. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're saying you want to be a faster runner, but you only run by yourself. But when you run with other people or you run with people who are faster, naturally you're going to become faster. Right. It's all about the environment you're in. And I knew like, just from looking at guys who were in the military, you know, every person I've seen, even if they were jackasses, how they presented themselves, they always had haircuts. They were professional with how they dealt with people. Um, they were fit. What I saw on the outside, you know, all of those things, and then, you know, once I got in and I started seeing what they were teaching us in basic training, not the real side, but they live, we live by the seven army values. And even if we don't live by it, we, we continue to pursue it. And as the seven army values are loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, duty, um, and service. Loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. I had to spell it out. The acronym is leadership. But those are the seven army values. And it's a kind of constant reminder myself, believe it or not, like I don't have to see the shit on my, on my wall, but when I'm sitting, I have to ask myself in certain situations, like, you know, you can say this and get the job done, or you can have integrity and say this, or you can be disciplined and get up and do this. And it's a constant reminder. But that's what made me join the Army, seeing other people and what they look like and how they carry themselves. Right. Mm. And just to, just to backtrack a little bit, I mean, you talking about, like, things that, you know, like Googling how to, to talk to a woman or how to, to, to dress on a first date. Um, are, there, are there more things that you, like, just with, with lack of role models, lack of resources that you really had to, like, dive into and help create Glad yourself yes. with? Like what were some of the other things? So once basketball ended, man, I'll never forget. So basketball ended when I came from California. I I took this, the guy, the coach lied to me and told me he was going to give me a full full scholarship to Mm -hmm. Chabot College. It was a junior college in um, Hayward, California. So I flew out there. I was staying with a female friend who used to be from uh, Louisiana, Lived with her for a while. Her mother kicked me out of the house. I had no place to live in California. So this is I when was, you were homeless. You mentioned that. This is when you yeah, were homeless. I was homeless for a couple yeah. of days. Um, luckily, I met this guy named Kevin. Uh, really great guy, man. And he doesn't know. Like, I don't think he knows everything that I've been through and why I was so appreciative of him taking me in. Um, he quickly became like my big brother. He's a Hispanic guy, man. Random. He just used to see me. Every day, dribbling a basketball. I used to walk four miles every day at eight in the morning to the gym to do drills 
because I told myself I was going to the NBA to do drills three hours before practice. I would practice. And then after practice, I would put up at least 300 shots mm. and then walk home. And Kevin would see me every day. He took me in, let me live with him, whatever. And that's what helped. So I ended up being homeless, homeless in that situation. And then when I came back, because the dream had ended and I knew it wasn't going anywhere from there. That was the first time I had ever, I had ever felt a heartbreak because it felt like basketball had broke up with me. Mm -hmm. This was my first love at the age of five. Yeah. This like you said, this is kind of like most of what you knew just getting handed a, ba a basketball at such a young age. I cried for two days straight and I say cry. I would cry, fall asleep, wake up, cry, got home. I would sleep, cry. And the first thing I turned to was, I kid you not, I kid you not, I turned to the Holy Bible. I would wake up and I would just read because I needed something that was, that was much powerful than the moment that I was in mm. to help me get through the moment. So that was the first time, like I actually, like I was sitting in a chair just like this <laughs> and read, fall asleep crying, reading because I wanted to be better that much, that bad. And I, I failed at the first thing I attempted. Mm -hmm. So after that, what really pushed me to answer your question, it, it started with that breakup and it led me to the Bible. The Bible led me to reading. So the first book I had ever read, I can't remember who put it in my hand, was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Because at that point, I shut the Bible. I was like, you know what? Being rich, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm about to become a millionaire. I said, <laughs> <laughs> A great book too, said, Rich Dad Poor Dad. As yeah, I'm like, book, I'm Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's gonna tell me everything I need to do to become wealthy. I'm gonna do it. So I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I'm like, man, this is being real. I'm reading through. I'm like, man, ain't shit in here telling me what to do to make money because I was missing the bigger picture. I didn't Mindset. realize it until it was over. I'm like, damn, like. It's no formula to just getting money. Like you just have to be a really good person with good qualities. You have to treat people right. You have to be um, respectful to other people. You have to be a good person. It's not something you can't do a job every day and expect to, to be wealthy. You have to work on being a better person. That book led me to um, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. And then that book just said it all. I'm yeah, like, that's a good wow. one. We hmm. I read that one and then that book, I thought that was like, I was like, okay, that's it, this is it. Yeah, yeah. I learned, I know, I know the steps, I know faith, I know affirmations, I know all of these things. I know all of this. I read the book Laws of Attraction and I'm like, wow. Okay, understand, this is crazy. So I need to be aware of what I'm thinking and how I'm treating other people because this is a full circle. And then I read It's All In Your Head by Russ. And that was it. I was like, okay, that's it. I get it. I get it. I started learning. Like it was a, it was a, it was levels of spiritual awakening that I learned. I started learning the power of the internal self and instead of external, everything that I see physically. Mm. You know, I started learning like the rules. I started learning different dimensions and understanding different dimensions understanding how powerful it is to see with the set of eyes that are not eyes, physical eyes. 
You know what I'm saying? Like just from the books I read, I started learning what vibrations were. Meaning that I can read you within the first five minutes based off the vibrations you give me. Mm-hmm. And if you're around me five days, I can know what, what frequency you're in and where you're going to be headed in the next year. Right. Which would tell me what type of things you're attracting. Like right. these were all from the books I read. So now I just constantly have this hunger for self-development, connecting to people, and then my purpose, which was my grandmother blessing me with the gift of, of confidence, perseverance, with a few words without even knowing it, and giving it back to her and showing her this was a seed you planted. Yeah. Man, powerful stuff. This is this is this is the gold here that. I, I want I everyone the, to hear. I love the stages of the books. Just amazing. Right. <laughs> like some of them, I, ha- I haven't read the Russ one, but I've heard like some, some great things. Uh-huh. Russ is, you, you know who Russ is? The rapper, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, he does everything himself. Produces, engineers, raps. Like, I mean, sells it himself too. So I'm, I'm guessing that's, you know, very easily translatable into whatever field you want to do. I mistake. I made a mistake by looking at him as just a rapper. Mm-hmm. He applied every rule to laws of attractions and think and grow rich and explained it like a scholar what he was doing and how he did it. Wow. And does and he, he's, does he point music. out those books? Yeah. And he's using oh, wow. his music in the book. Like it's an audio book. Every mm-hmm. song he make was for things that he was going through and how he manifested what he has. Because when you listen to the book, you're like, oh, shit, he made that song for this. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so, like, just to, to, to stay on that kind of theme, like, do you feel like you're starting to do that with, with yourself <laughs> now and, and, like, the things that you're trying to, to develop in the relationships? You're getting me excited talking about this because... <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I'm jumping into the question. I'm excited, too. Because, like, I, like, I used to... Stuff used to happen. I'm like, damn, like... This got to be a miracle. Now, since mm-hmm. I'm so intentional from the stuff that I've learned, I expect it. So, yeah, like, okay. when I'll focus on something and then I'll just sit back. Like, sometimes I doubt it and I have to learn how to get rid of the doubt. I'll use some examples. I was in college when I went to ROTC, when I joined the Army to go back to college and commission. At that time, I was sitting in the dorm room. I called him my brother because we joined the army at the same time and we were friends for like five years at this time. We were sitting in the dorm room and he was like my therapist, but he didn't, he didn't answer. He didn't ask the right questions. I would just vent and he would just listen. But <laughs> we were sitting in the barracks, the dorm room. And I remember telling him like, man, like I was really fed up at that point. I was like 26. I was like, I'm done with this shit, man. I'm 26. I'm sitting in a fucking barracks in college. Like, I'm, I'm an adult. And I'm sitting in the barracks. I said, by this summer, bro, and I'm talking to him, I said, by this summer, I, I would never forget because I was shocked when it happened. I said, by this summer, I promise I'm going to start my own, my own fitness brand. I'm going to start vlogging. I'm going to have the car that I want. I'm not going to just settle for some bullshit. I'm going to do that all this summer. This was around around February or March when I told him that. And June, that summer, I bought my Mustang. And May that summer, I connected with Sam, the guy that did the video you saw. 
mm, with me okay. shirtless, my commissioning ceremony. So I yeah. had started vlogging because I had made up my mind, like, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know how the fuck is going to happen, but I'm going to make sure it happens. I started learning the power of thoughts and getting rid of doubts. And that mm. summer, within two months, I had the car I want. As of recent, and I was telling Sean, I was telling Sean that the apartment I live in now, I'm living in a freaking, I got here, I had visualized how I was gonna live when I got in Germany, but I didn't put intentional vision to it, but I, I still visualize it. I have, I'm living right now in a four bedroom duplex with three floors, very modern, very modern place. Like you see this place, it looks like it doesn't belong in Germany. <laughs> when I moved here, check this out. So when I moved here, this is I'm all this is all me talking about laws of attraction and applying the steps. When I moved here, I don't admit this to too many people, but I always admit it to myself. My biggest goal in life is to start my own family. So I have been dealing with, I, I know I'm an attractive guy. I know it. I don't doubt it, but I'm not arrogant. So I deal, I've dealt with a lot of beautiful women within the past two years and something deep down inside of me, I'm talking about, I've dealt with some of the most beautiful women that dudes be like, damn, you talking to her? I'm like, yeah, she cool. Because I don't go off a of physical look. I look for, I feel for connections mm -hmm. and something deep down in me. Every time I dealt with these women or a new woman, if she wasn't the one, it was always a voice in me saying, don't settle for this. I'll give you what you really want if you just be patient. So I'm like, okay, it would be hard sometimes because these are real beautiful women who are cooking, who are doing this and that, but I make sure I'm clear with them and I don't lead them on. I'm like, this is how I'm moving. This is what it is. Well, I moved to this duplex, the duplex that I visualized, by the way. And the first thing Stefan tell me, he was like, Stefan is, He's on a whole nother level. Everything I talked to you about, he knows, but he's also tried. He had a lot of trial and error. He's actually tried many religions, not meaning he partaked in it, but he's learned them and practiced them a little bit. Anybody who knows Buddhism and all of that are pretty good when it comes to laws of attraction. So Stefan, and I moved in, Stefan was like, you know, Michael, uh, my last tenant who stayed here, you know, he came in, he understood, he started understanding how attraction works a little bit. When he came in, he was by himself and he told me, you know, I really want a family. I want to, I want to, you know, have a family. And within a year, he found his wife and I was his best man in his wedding. Wow. And he left with two kids. Wow. <laughs> I moved here three months later. I find, I didn't find, I run into the girl exactly how I visualized. Oh, wow. I'm not gonna say too much because I don't know who's watching. Uh, beautiful, long curly hair, intelligent. She reads a lot. She's smart. You know, just talking about how attraction works. Yeah. That listening to that voice within me saying, "Don't settle for this. If you wait just a little bit longer, I'll mm -hmm. give you what you want." Right. And then it's funny how she started the conversation because she kind of curved me, then she came back. She messaged me like four weeks later. She's like, hey, sorry, four weeks later. Uh, been kind of busy. And I kind of laughed. She made me laugh. That's the only reason why I responded. And then we just hit it off, like right off the bat. Right. Wow. Yeah. 
I mean, there, there's so much in that, but it's also just like the courage to know whether that's finding the right person for you in a relationship or chasing a dream. There's a courage to know when you're doing something that the easier thing might be to settle in the current moment. But what, what's going to make me happy is maybe doing the difficult thing right now, but my future self is going to be very happy for about it. And, yeah. and I think a lot of people find themselves stuck in that rut where I'm not really happy with what I'm doing now, or maybe my current situation is not what I want to do for the rest of my life, but it's easier for me to just stay here or stay in the situation what I'm doing. And for you, like you said, you visualize all these things and, and you made them happen. I think the, the biggest thing, as much as like I'm, I'm excited about her, my purpose comes above it, you know, and that's with Charlie Mike. I think the biggest thing, and, and hearing it in the books, Think and Grow Rich, you know, Laws of Attraction reminds me at any moment for my purpose in life, I'm willing to burn the ship to anything, to let go of anything, relationships, anything. Like even it got to a point where relationship with women, if I felt that they were becoming a distraction and I knew it wasn't a long-term thing with them, I would tell them, hey, look, I got to fall back. Like, I don't care if I'm in, in love or not, when it becomes a distraction and it's not beneficial, not just to me, but to the situation on both sides. I won't hesitate. Do you feel like that's just, I mean, it comes down to, you know, how important your purpose is, your self purpose. And you feel like if you don't ever, you know, maybe we never reach it. Maybe we're always striving to be better than, than we were yesterday. But if you're not constantly doing that, then you won't be satisfied. You won't be happy. And thus, you know, a partner won't be happy with you. Mm-hmm. I think I, I've had so many examples, man. Like my family is like a walking book. I have an uncle, my father for one, he has uh, two characteristics that don't go well together. He has a big heart when it comes to women and falling in love and he has a short temper. And those two don't mix well. So he's always been a sucker for love and ends up from what I've seen him once he got out of jail and how he dealt with women, he always gets the, just dogged out because he was willing to settle for anything. Had and, and in my mind as a kid watching this, I'm like, damn, like, had he just focused on himself and not let himself go for her, he would be right where he wanted to be. And then I got relatives in my family who, because they didn't develop the right traits as a man, they're struggling in society. I got uncles who allow their temper to be, you know, the, the top thing that leads their life. You know, the mentality of everybody gonna know not to fuck with me. I'm gonna make sure I prove it. Now it has them in a position where they're struggling in life, um, no healthy relationships. And then I got the example from my grandmother. My grandmother dealt with me different than when it came to other people with me. It was, it was as if she was loving me the way that she couldn't love anybody else because she didn't trust anybody. But her pride was so big that she couldn't keep a relationship. Meaning that she had my grandfather, who I found out when I was 20 wasn't my grandfather, but I still love him like my grandfather. We still have a relationship. But my grandfather, 
she was so prideful that she would curse him out, talk to him crazy, and then act as if she didn't want to be with him anymore. So now they were, now they're in their, their late 60s. And 10 years ago, I want to say, he walked away because he was tired of like just getting kicked in the ass 24-7. So I see like, and this just is a few of the, the examples I've seen when it comes to dreams, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to purpose in life. I have all of these examples of what not to do. And then when I come home, like I don't even watch TV, man. Like when I come home, I just put on interviews and motivational speeches. So even if I'm moving around, I'm hearing the right way to do things. Like when you talk about Kobe Bryant, I can tell you everything about Kobe Bryant and the way he thinks. And those are examples for me, the way to do the right thing. So I think all of those attributed to me moving forward when it comes to dealing with women, relationships and purposes and having a balance. Amazing. And who are who are some of the some of the other ones like some of the maybe more popular or just people that you really who who really make you tick? Like who who are some of the people that you're listening to throughout the day and or have made maybe the biggest impact on your life through speeches, motivational and just yeah. work ethic alone? So if y'all go to YouTube, because I know uh, Sean followed me on YouTube, I have this long motivational playlist mm-hmm. that I created like four years ago uh, with just interviews, motivational speeches. If I see something and it sparks a plug, I add it to my motivational playlist. But what started in the beginning was, uh, dang, what's his name? I haven't listened to him in so long. I can tell you right now, give me a second. I gotta say it. (laughs) It's gonna bother me if I don't. I'm sure. But it's another guy. Oh, I can't, I can't find him, but it was Les Brown in the beginning. It was Les Brown in the beginning and it was another guy. He's an old motivational speaker. He was like one of the first ones. He has like this old school McDonald Barney voice, but he speaks a lot of truth. So those two guys were the first ones. But right now, I think who gets me ticking, uh, I read this book called Think, Think Like a Monk. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. It's like Evan, Evan something, but he does interviews. And I love all of my interviews that I watch are by him, by Evan Carmichael and um, forgot the third guy name, but all of their interviews, I just put on shuffle. Like he did one with Russ. He did one with Kobe Bryant. He did one with Nipsey Hussle. Those guys, when I want understanding and knowledge, I listen to those guys. When I want motivation, I listen to Eric Thomas, his interviews, mm-hmm. when he talks about certain situations and you know how he interpreted his relationship with God and such, so on and so on. And then Gary V, when I want that that spark to hit, and Kobe Bryant. Those are those are my go-tos. Mm. Love it. What about Inky Johnson? Oh yeah, I mean they all look <laughs> together. The no, we spoke with him. Though yeah. the whole Inky Johnson just hit different. Yeah. Mm. He always come with the passion because he only speaks from the spirit. So when he talks, you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to preface going into going into Charlie Mike a little bit with with this quote from Inky Johnson's uh, podcast. 
And uh, one of his guests, Lavelle Moten, said, uh, the thing about being a rarity is you become a visionary. And being a visionary is a gift and a curse. The gift is you could see things other people can't see. But the curse is you have to sit in it alone until they're able to see it. And, you know, I think this, this ties into your story a lot because you, you had to, you saw where your future self wanted to be. Or you, you saw, you, you visualized your future self, your, your duplex, your future. But people around you, not, they can't necessarily see it. Maybe they're going in a different direction. It's difficult for people to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And now you're starting this fitness company, uh, Charlie Mike, which we have yet to dive into. Um, give us more about this. So first, like, this is just the beginning. So I'm still in a phase where people don't get me. Like, this is like one small part of what I started visualizing three years ago. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, in five years, Charlie Mike will be one of the, the biggest fitness brands, period. It may not be the biggest at that time, but it will be one of the biggest in five years and the gym facility. Um, God, I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, but for me, I'm still at that phase where I'm walking alone. I may be around a lot of people, but it's rare. I'm going I'm to get to your question, but I have to say this. I'm, it's very rare. I run into people like you two guys. I think I told Sean the first time I, we talked that it's it's two different it's two types of voices when you deal with people, and that's what caught my attention with Sean. It's the voice that when a person talks, you can feel what they're saying through your body. They've they've mastered speaking from their spirit, and those are the people who can make things manifest that they want to accomplish. People who know how to speak from their spirit, and when they talk to other people. They can feel it through their body as they speak words. And it's the other people who just say things and it's almost like, you know, it's just kicking a rock down the street. You don't feel it. You're just like, oh, okay, cool. So when talking to Sean, we connected so strong. Everything he was saying, I can feel it. Everything I was saying, he can feel it. And that's the same way that right now, I'm still in that phase where it's still so much to come. But right now I have to keep my head, like literally, I have to remind myself, keep my head down. Don't count the cost. Don't count the cost right now that it's going to take to make things happen. Just do it. I don't care how hard it is, how late it is, how tired you are. Just keep doing it until you get to where you're going. Now with Charlie Mike, um, damn, I lost your question, Sean. No, it, it was it was about how, I mean, you just keep going on that, that same train of thought is that starting Charlie Mike, people might understand what you're doing and they don't have to understand right now because if at, at some point they will understand, but it's important that you in particular, the one doing it, whatever you're chasing, whoever is chasing their own dream is that you have to stick to your why. Why are you doing this? And what is the future? And what are you looking to provide people and your purpose? Right. But the thing is like, that's why I don't relate to people too much. Like, I'm not gonna say, I'm not antisocial um or introvert but we have so many examples of what to do and how the process will be like everybody that's made it they tell you like yeah this is how it was in the beginning the beginning they either got bullied they either were alone or always had to do stuff with them on their own or even the guy nick bear who started bpn he had to play every role in his company until a point where it got so big he bought out his contract in the military and was done. You know, these are all examples. So with me, that what you just explained is what Charlie Mike is. Charlie Mike, do you know, Sean, what Charlie Mike is? 
continue the mission? So, yeah. So Charlie Mike is, is military alphabets, the letter C and M. But the letter C and M combined stands for continuing mission. So if you're in like a combat setting, according to military terms, and you tell someone, you know, or a scenario is the, the truck tire catches on flat and you have to get to a location. Well, somebody over the mic will might tell you, okay, leave the truck, Charlie Mike. That means you have to continue this mission. I don't care what happened right now. Mm-hmm. So the brand Charlie Mike stands for continue your mission. So no, it, I'm living the example. I've been living it my whole life and that's why it rung and it hit different when I chose it. Um, everybody can relate to it. If you have a goal set in mind and you're really pursuing it without quitting and you're really trying to make it happen, you're going to deal with so much shit. You're going to deal with people who don't believe in you. You're going to deal with backstabbers. You're going to deal with bad relationships. You're going to deal with um, people who claim that they're supporting you and don't. You may have bad deal. You're going to deal with everything. But until you get to a point where your mind is set like, and this is what my, my mind is, I will die pursuing this shit until it happens. Like I, I really have my mind set on it so much that if I die running on a track because I'm pursuing some goal for Charlie Mike, I'm dying on a track, I'm dying happy. Because when I die, I die pursuing my purpose, not doing some dumb shit that was irrelevant. And even with choosing the name, because I had one name prior to Charlie Mike, I chose 12 Stone Fitness. That was the first name I chose. And I backed away from it. And kid you not, I prayed about it. And I asked God, you know, give me a name. This is normally how I talk to my spirit too. I said, give me a name. And I want a name that's not glorifying myself. That's not about me. I don't want to choose Michael Fulton Fitness or some crap like that. I want something that you feel that people can connect to and that will live even when I'm gone. And I can't remember when or the exact day, but somebody was like, Charlie Mike. They were talking to somebody else and it was like, Charlie Mike. And I was like, damn, that's it. I've been living by that shit my whole life. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. Charlie Mike, continue your mission. Everybody can relate to that. Everybody has a goal in life that they're pursuing. So who, so who is Charlie Mike for? Like who is who is this brand designed for? It's for it's for everybody that has a goal set in mind. And I think when people see it, because my name is Mike, they're like, oh, that's his name, Charlie Mike. But no, like it's for you. You you are a definition of Charlie Mike yourself, just from the story I heard. You were kicked out, you were turned away from soccer teams that said you weren't good enough. And you say, you know what, fuck y'all. I'm gonna show you. Like, this is what I want. You brushed it off. You start working until you reached your goal and you got there. Everybody knows what Charlie Mike, everybody lives by Charlie Mike. Hmm. If you're trying to get somewhere. Yeah. Sometimes they just don't know they're living it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. I love it, man. That What a incre- incredible name. I mean, when you told me that, it just made me smile the first time. It's just like, it's the perfect, it's the perfect just motto for everyone to live by. I mean, because that is life. It's, it's setting goals and working towards goals. And when you get to a certain point, you make new goals and you continue to do that. I mean, that is, yeah. that is life. It's just enjoying the process of chasing the, the next goal. And, and hopefully at some points you can check the box you got there and then you have a thousand other goals set in front of you yep. and continuing to live that, that life of pursuing. You're always in pursuit of something and 
hopefully you can drag people along with you and help them out as well. Exactly. And that's actually something new I actually been implementing to be a go-giver, to learn to be at service, like not to be a go-getter, but to be a go-giver. What am wow. I giving other people? Mm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, what am I giving back? Because I know how the universe works. If I'm not giving it, I'm not going to get it. Yeah. Just like 100%. I wanted this. Yeah, I wanted this. I'm just using that example. I wanted this woman. I had to make sure that I was what I was looking for. Because she wants what she's looking for. If I'm not it, I'm not going to attract it. If I'm not yeah. giving it, I'm not going to receive it. Yeah. That's the that's the first time I've heard that phrase, actually. Yeah. Go giver. I really like that. <laughs> Trademark. That's really cool. <laughs> Now, I feel like, I mean, just a huge thing with, with, um, with you and with, with Charlie, Mike, it just, it's like, yes, set the goal, but see it through now Mm -hmm. with Charlie, Mike getting a brand off of, off the ground. I mean, everyone sees it when it's successful, but hardly do people see it on the building stages and see everything that goes into, man, that's funny. (laughs) That's so funny. And that's why you have to be so, you have to see your vision. Not like, I want to do this. Like I meditate on this shit. Mm. Like I sit down and think about what it would feel like to open the door of my facility. The look on my grandma's face when she sees this big ass facility that I just opened and she raised me to do that. You know what I'm saying? I think about how the floor will smell. I'm taking, the brain doesn't know the difference from reality and what's not reality. So when you start using your senses to create a vision, it's going to find a way to make it happen. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's truly like believing it too. Like when you're picturing these senses, it's not just like, oh, it'll smell like this. Like you, you feel yourself in that situation, right? Oh yeah. You have to think about how the wind will feel hitting your face <laughs> as you're getting out your car. You got to think about, you know what I mean? I think about everything, man. I think about how my house will look. I think about how my wife's going to come running up to me when I get home from work. <laughs> I think about all that. Mm. And then that motivates me more when I wake up. My brain is ticking now. Mm. It's a sense of urgency. When I wake up, I'm like, okay, I got to do X, Y, Z. I woke up at 3.58 this morning and started taking notes on this guy talking about opening this gym. I wrote like 10 pages of notes that I got to go back and review. And then I went to the gym this morning and went to work. Mm. can you talk about that a little bit a little bit more is that the the importance of of bringing both together not just the manifestation the visuals and the the meditation but also the doing like Mm -hmm. i think sometimes people either have one or the other or it's tough for them to combine the two so how how do you approach that process sometimes like man your environment can be hard like my environment Mm -hmm. i was in i'm not gonna go too in depth with it because i'm still in this environment but it's better but sometimes the environment you in can make it hard to actually want to take steps forward you know what i mean so for me i'll use myself as an example i had to start with making myself believe again before i can actually start doing it because in me i know like i have to do things i have to be a doer i can't just be somebody sitting here saying this is what i want to do or this is what i'm it's never going to happen but i But before I'm able to be a doer, I have to convince myself that I can do it. Mm. So that means I have to take a step back. And I remember thinking about it like, damn, like I'm saying these affirmations, I'm doing this meditation. 
my voice is always right. And the voice within me said, this shit might take about a year for you to get back. And sure enough, it took about a year for me to get back because I had to develop my spirit back and build it back up before I can actually start taking action steps. But it took me getting pissed off within the midst of like that toxic situation. And I said, you know what, fuck that. I remember saying, I was like, fuck that. My grandma's house falling down. I had all of this stuff going on. And I said, by Christmas, it's always when I get fed up with some shit. <laughs> I said, you start making Christmas, those dates, like this is, this yeah. is gonna happen, yeah. <laughs> I got up, I was sitting, I had just came from a run. I was so pissed off, I ran and went for a run at like 12 midnight, went for like a six mile run. I was like, man, fuck this. It was like November, I said, by December, I'm gonna have my logo, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna have my certification. I did all of that by Christmas. Mm. So you set, those to- dead, you set those deadlines and you held yourself accountable and you, you said that enough's enough, I'm doing this by this date. I had my why too. You know, every time I FaceTime, because I've been in Germany so long, every time I FaceTime my grandmother and I realize, like, damn, she's getting older. I never know. I, I don't know when her time is going to be up. That also created a sense, of ur- a sense of urgency towards it. I like that. The why. I think yeah. a lot of the times, a lot of the times we just see what we want, but we don't reflect on why. Like, why am I doing this? And then it, I think it can make those days that are a little hard to find the motivation. Like... All right, I'm right back in it. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest, the biggest, the hardest part is for people to remove their emotions. Because mm-hmm. even with feeling, I, when I learned this, man, stuff started clicking. Like I've learned to, when I fail, if someone fails, it's not the actual feeling that keeps them down. It's them when it, it's right when they fail they make a decision in their mind like, damn, I'm sad because this didn't happen. Versus you catching yourself when you come up short, not failing. Whoever made the word failing is an asshole. When you you (laughs) fail (laughs) and you come up short, you catch yourself and be like, okay, this was a lesson. What was I supposed to learn? Because obviously I'm not prepared for what I'm asking for. So what in this area did I come up short of? And removing what you're doing at that point is you're taking your emotions before your emotions take you. And then you're able to adjust and move forward. If people understood how to remove their emotions from certain things, they would move forward a lot quicker. Yeah. Now, this is this is actually a point I wanted to bring up before, but Dylan asked a great question and we kind of went down another road. But the importance of con- the ability to control your emotions, and I'm sure in the army, you, you've learned about this, but I mean, we can go back through through your whole life. Like you're, you had your family showed great examples of what happens when you do not control your emotions, right? Your uncles, they, they lived and died by their, their short temper and they got them into big trouble. And the importance in that case where, you know, if you just take a step back, take a breath, realize that whatever the situation is, what you're about to do is probably not a good idea. And then yeah. in this case, you know, when you, that you fail at something, the action, the action doesn't determine the rest of the, the rest of your week, the rest of your life. It's just, it's simply an event. And it's how you react to the event that will determine where you're going. And like exactly. you said, it's the emotion that then drives you. You can, you can look at two different situations and one person can, can learn from it and be incredibly motivated by it. And one person can be crushed and depressed and, and they just fall into this losing pit. 
And it all comes down to the ability to control your emotions and understanding. Not that you don't have to feel the emotion, but understanding the emotion. And that the emotion right. is, is simply a state you're currently in, but it doesn't define you. You're not defined right. by your current emotion. It's a moment. It's a moment. That's it. And you got to learn when to, when to take that emotion and save it for later. Like mm -hmm. if I go on a six mile run, I may be dealing with somebody at work who don't know they offended me. And I just politely respond, Roger. I go on that six mile run, it's coming out. I'm going to reflect on how they disrespected me. And I'm going to push this a little bit harder. Or when I come home and I'm writing down things to do, it's going to give me that extra energy I need when I reflect on why I'm not going to keep doing this shit. It's a, it's a great point that you both make. I think it's very key not to just hold in the emotion completely because that can also have such sour consequences, but to redirect it. Like, so it's still coming out of you and these unhealthy emotions are unhealthy or powerful, whatever it may be still comes out, but you're redirecting it, redirecting it into something that is positive for yourself. I think it's maybe sometimes more easier said than done, but it's the importance of it can't go unnoticed. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that, and I have to constantly remind myself, it's like you're a spirit sitting in a body. It's the analogy to that is you're a person sitting in a car. Your spirit sitting in the body, your person sitting in the car. So you can drive your car where you want to go. It's the same with your body. You dictate how you drive your body, how you respond to people, what happens. So what I do is I try to always remind myself, take yourself out of your physical body. And remember, this is just one moment in your life. And always keep yourself visualizing where you want to be five years so you can control how you respond right now. Mm. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. I never heard that analogy. That's incredible. But yeah, yeah. Staying, staying on in the path that you know that your future self wants to be and not letting the current moment or situation or some asshole that says something or, you know, a hater or someone that doubts you, like, that's fine. And you can understand that they don't see the vision or they have their own, they have their own issues they're dealing with. And unfortunately, they're taking it out on someone else in the wrong way but almost having like an empathy for them. Like instead of being mad at this person, say, I'm, I'm exactly. sorry, you don't understand. You know, you know who did it the greatest? Who's that? Jesus. Think about it. When Jesus died, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they have done. He mm -hmm. was teaching us how to deal with these people that we deal with on a regular basis. Yeah. Jesus had a mission in mind and they, they stabbed him in the back. Yeah, that's exactly right. Man. Now, I want to I want to come back to um, just um, we talk a lot about about who you surround yourself with. And I'm sure there were moments in your life when you just thought like, OK, this person is toxic. This person is toxic. I mean, we've already talked about some of the things or relationships that maybe didn't give you what you needed. But I mean, how important, especially when you're making a goal, is it for you? and maybe go into some of the things that you, you do and look for, for in people or maybe s special occurrences where you've had to leave people behind who didn't give you or weren't reciprocating that energy and that drive to, towards a dream. It's, it's been many occasions, but with everything I do in my life, man, I, I watch, I listen, and I speak from my spirit. Like, 
meaning that it's separate from my body. Most people make judgment by what they see and what they hear with their physical eyes, but what you feel with your spirit will always tell you the truth. Like when I was talking to Sean, I'm going back to that because Sean can relate to it when we were talking. He was assessing me by what he felt me saying. I was assessing him. And immediately it was like, okay, he's cool. But sometimes, a lot of, a lot of times, I find myself to where I don't have those people around. The greatest lesson I learned, I think it was Les Brown that said, even if you don't have the right people around you, we live in an age where you can just find them on YouTube. You can find them through podcasts. We have an age where you don't have to physically go see someone. We have the access to everything, listening to a podcast, audiobooks, videos, interviews, you're getting mentored by that person. So naturally you're connecting to that person. So even though I'm in a season where or I'm in a, a period of my life where I don't have anybody that's thinking at that level or operating at that level. And when I feel that I'm in that area, I'll always go to some of the guys that I watch and I can feel the difference. It's like, damn, like what you've been doing, man. All right, let's go. I like that a lot. It is. It's a great point, though. We live in an era where like, I mean, if if the people around you aren't fulfilling you, you you can easily find those people through various mediums. And <laughs> like, just like you said, I mean, like you need a little inspiration one day to just go out and get it and go out and fail and and keep going and use that failure. I mean, just go listen to Gary Vee one day. It's like those <laughs> those people are out there. And, and, and I mean, just like the go back to the books that you talked about. I mean, it's like all that stuff is available for us. So the excuses kind of, not go out the window i know like i mean there's always there's always things that are that are tough but i mean in, in a sense they do right that was a question <laughs> i mean i i kind of rambled on i think there was a question in there somewhere <laughs> sorry but uh yeah i mean, I, mean let, I let go ahead let's stick on that so what about you know i going through your youtube it's on this topic who are people's worst enemies and how do you feel about that? <laughs> we are our own worst enemies. Yes. Elaborate mm. on that. And because like, it took me a while to learn it, man. Everything. I control how I view my life. My perspective is everything. So I can't control what someone does, but I can control how I react. You know what I mean? Um, just like you said, sometimes people don't understand you, so they do ugly things sometimes. So for me, for me, my reaction, um, my response, not my reaction, will always be something down the line of what I visualize myself being. But the enemy comes in to where if I'm dealing with somebody, let's say Sean says, hey, man, you ain't shit. You never going to be shit. I don't even know why you're doing these YouTube videos because ain't nobody watching or something like that. So there's two sides of me, the side that react and respond, the old me and the new me. The old me is like, this motherfucker really disrespect me. Like, all right, let me, I need to go ahead and say something back. That happens within a second. And then there's another side of me is like, okay, listen, this will get you off track. This doesn't line up with the person you want to be. Either you don't say anything or you just be like, hey, that's how you feel, man. And just keep moving forward. 
it's all right. Keep moving forward. I love that. Man. But it's, you know, like to go a little bit deeper, though, um, lately I've been watching a lot of um, sermons from Muslim preachers. The way they dissect words are is insane. So with them, and this is where I learned it from, if you're talking to them and you say, yeah, this person is my enemy, I can't stand them, they break words down into two. So when they hear enemy, they hear enemy. They don't hear enemy. They break it down in two and they hear enemy. There's no such thing as an enemy. The only enemy is the inner you. Mm. You know, so when they're talking with people and they hear certain words, they break it down. And I start learning to listen like that. Even when you think of words like um, so simple, whoever created it's a lot of crooked people at the top. Whoever created these words are some evil people. And when you think of the word of good morning, you're telling somebody, hey, enjoy morning today. You know, they're telling you this whole day because life is you're going to suffer all through life. You can't sit in one's position without feeling uncomfortable. So when someone tells you good morning, they mean enjoy your day full of pain and suffering. When someone tells you, hey, have a good week. The word week means you're weak. Enjoy the week. Hey, have a good weekend. Someone's uh -huh. telling you when someone mm. tells you, hey, have a good weekend. They're telling you you're getting the weekend the week end of the deal, meaning your life. You're working five days a week and only getting two days off. You're getting the weekend deal of your life. Wow, it's a, it's a very interesting train of thought. You're sure you could do this with a lot of words. <laughs> the, words enemy, the, en the enemy one is, is, has got me, I'm still thinking about that because that, that's like, it's all, I mean, it's all in your head or how you, how you respond. Like you said, you're not reacting, you're responding. Reacting is, is kind of hand in hand with emotion, but response is putting the emotion through. aside and thought through. Exactly. But think about this. This is, this will help you understand it better. And that's why I say whoever was at the top created stuff like pretty cricket people. When you, when you're a kid, what's the first thing they teach you before you start using words? They teach you how to spell. Well, what do we say witches do when they do something to somebody that is bad? They cast a spell on you. So you're teaching kids how to spell, meaning you're teaching them how to use words. What do witches use to cast a spell? They use words. So this goes to show you how powerful words are. Even the Bible tells you the God spoke life to the world. He said, let there be light that was light. The oldest thing to this earth is words. Words are very powerful. That's why even in the Bible, I'm referring, I'm not somebody who's like extra Baptist or Roman Catholic, but the Bible is one of the truest books. But the Bible specifically says it's life and death and the power of the tongue. Like you can create life or you can take life. Yeah. And and how have you used that, the 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 power of the tongue, so to speak? to Man, continue I'm... continue continue your mission with with your purpose in your life and and charlie mike and despite you maybe feeling uncomfortable making these vlogs and and putting the process out of how you're building this company from the start um why is that so important for you to show people like this these are the beginnings and we're gonna go through this together well it starts like with uh with dylan said my why um for me, 
my family, I think my family needs to see somebody do it at this level to pull them out of the mentality that they have. That's the first reason. Um, the second reason was to show people what it looks like to be disciplined, not only to God, but to listen to that voice within. Because everybody hears that voice, they hear the good one and they hear the bad one. Which one do you listen to? And I wanna show them what it looks like. I wanna be vulnerable in the process. So in the beginning, it was uncomfortable because one, it was new, and I was just jumping and starting because I heard a voice telling me. So I wasn't 100% sure, but I just stepped out on faith. So now when I do them, it's just like, all right, get some footage. Like the, the last two vlogs were the most comfortable I've been because I didn't really care. I wasn't thinking about it. Like they can receive it however they want to. But when I look back at this stuff, I'm going to really appreciate this. When they see where I get, where I'm going, and they look at it, they're going to really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, exactly that. Just, the same thing yeah. with this. Just, just to bring it back to us. Yeah. I mean, like just in the beginning when we were doing episodes, Michael, it was like, we were just so overly critiquing ourselves and like worried about how people would like get this sentence. If we said this word wrong or this joke yeah. didn't come across as funny, but it's like, then we're really not being true and we're not giving a true message out. So and you can feel it. You can 100% can feel it. like these episodes that we have now. I mean, especially when we have guests that, you know, we can really dive into like we're doing with you. Like these don't seem as work and they're like just so fun. Like, we brag that we get more out of the episodes than than the people listening to them because like <laughs> the connections we make and like the conversations like today, man. I mean, I, I just came from a soccer like training. But like after talking to you, like I I'm like ready to like pick up my kettlebell here and just like <laughs> you know just go into the depths again. Like it's 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 amazing like what we uh, what you can get out of these things when it's like true and the relationships are true and you're you're building with the right people. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. I laugh because when I make a video, this is how I know I started to improve. When mm -hmm. I make a video, if I watch it and I don't get the chills from watching it, just from the message or whatever's being shown, it's not genuine. Mm. I have to make sure I'm connecting to people every time I watch it. So sometimes I watch it like the last commercial I did, Sean saw it. Man, I probably watched that video like 55 times already in the last three <laughs> days. <laughs> but I, I definitely relate, man. It's, it's mm. the process and understanding that you appreciate it, especially when you can look back at it a video or hear your voice is much more meaningful than in the past where they only had journals mm. yeah yeah it's uh, it's it's our version of it and i mean just to to draw it into to to your youtube channel again and a project i'm i'm sure you're it's really fond of you to come back in and be proud of is this project veronica and i was hoping you might be able to Tell some of the listeners who don't know you yet um, what that what that was and that experience and what it was like. I appreciate it, man, that you actually took the time to watch that. <laughs> Always. I mean, what first off, Sean's Sean's talk about his conversation with you kind of lit a match. But, you know, once you <laughs> get on your page, it's just, you know, I, I really like the things that you're talking about. So I just wanted to I wanted to learn more about everything that you were doing. Yeah. So Project Veronica, man, funny. So that's Project Veronica 
is my grandmother. Veronica is my grandma. Mm -hmm. uh, she had two strokes. She was sick. Veronica is not even how you spell her name, how I spelled it with Veronica. So this happened, she had a stroke a year and a half ago, but recently last year, a hurricane hit Louisiana um, and it tore her house down. Her house was already old and it tore her, her roof down where her roof was caving in. Um, my dad living situation financially, he couldn't really afford to step up and do what he wanted to do to help. He wanted to, but he couldn't. My uncle's financial situation wasn't good, so he couldn't, you know, step up to do what he wanted to do. And anybody who knows me, man, my grandmother, that's my, that's my heart. My father's mom, like, that's my heart. Um, the same lady who I was telling you guys about. So I prayed about it. You know, when I, at certain times, like, I get to a point where I don't want to hear other people's advice. I only want to hear from God. So now, and I just prayed about it. And I waited. Normally, when I don't hear a response, I just wait for a response. It's just the same little bit side note from what I've learned from the books. When you speak, no matter whether you're praying or you asking yourself a question or you're just stating what you want to accomplish, when you say it out loud, the answer doesn't come immediately. It will eventually come to you when you least expect it. So I had prayed about it. And I was in the middle of this toxic situation at the time as well. And um, I think it was like four in the morning and I went for like a five mile run. It's pitch black, it's only trees. And in the midst of this, I think a damn hurricane or tornado, a tornado was coming. I've never seen winds this strong. I'm running like, you know, out here, like it's just straight form and boring yards. I ain't seen shit like this since I moved out here. Like I'm running in the middle of this big ass field and just wind hitting. But as I'm running this particular time, music was not cutting it for me. I'm like, okay, I'm, I don't wanna hear nothing. I don't wanna hear music. I don't wanna hear nothing. And I took my headphones off, put them in my pocket and I just kept running. And that's when I heard the voice say, okay, you can't afford to just come out of pocket right now. So how about you start a project? I'm having a conversation with, <laughs> with with my spirit while I'm running. So I'm like, okay, what you mean come up with a project? It's like, come up with a project to raise funds for your grandmother's roof. So I'm like, okay, what's next? It's like, okay, what do you love to do? I'm like, all right, fitness. So I was like, okay, so maybe run, I guess. And then it kind of started coming into play where it's like, okay, do something that you've never done run a marathon and I had signed up for all of these marathons the marathons kept being shut down because COVID hit right afterwards and uh, I remember asking the spirit for the name like what should I call it the spirit's like don't worry about the name just show me that you'll take a step on this I promise you not it's like just prom just show me you'll take a step on this I'll give you a name when the time is right so I just started taking initiative I got back in the house start looking for marathons to run. And it was the Athens Marathon. Supposedly this was like the first marathon ever ran. So I was like, that's the one. It's gonna be epic. I got my drone, recorded, it's gonna be nice. And then two days later, the name came to me. 
And it was like, I think I was just sitting up late at night looking at the stars or something. And uh, it was like, Veronica, name it after your grandma. I'm like, why? He's like, sound it off, Veronica. You're going to run a marathon. Her name has the word run in it. So take the O and turn it into a U. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I can do that. Okay, that's actually catchy. So did it, signed up for the marathon. Like two months into training, COVID hit, marathon canceled. So I'm like, fuck. And then it was like all the motivation just left. Like I'm, I'm up, like I can't find the motivation to run, do anything. And then another voice hit me and it was like, you're gonna allow this roadblock stop you from doing what you said you were gonna do. So I didn't know the answer but I knew I needed to keep running. So I kept running. The motivation wasn't as high, the morale wasn't high, but I always trust that voice. And that voice has never been wrong 100% of the time. So I kept running and eventually it came to me. You don't, you don't need a medal or award to do what you're doing. You're doing this for your grandmother. Mm. So run the marathon and how about you do what you said you were gonna do? And that's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> a go-giver. But for me at that point, it was about me doing what I said I was going to do and following through. And it's, I'm pretty sure you, you guys know it's no better feeling than saying you're going to do something and then doing it. I'm wow. getting a little passionate about it now because right now I'm thinking about Charlie Mike and the gym facility and all of that, doing what I'm saying I'm going to do and following it through. Because when I get there, I know the feeling. It's like deja vu. I've already seen this. It is funny to say this and I'll stop. When I accomplish something big, it's been like that for the last six years. My girlfriend in the past would ask me like, how do you feel? Are you excited? Like I graduated airborne school, like every situation. And I'm like, eh. I mean, it's done. And she never understood why. And I don't think I understood why at that time because I had already visualized myself accomplishing it. And it was just a small checkpoint on one of my goals. Mm -hmm. So I had already saw how it would happen. I saw how it would feel. So it didn't shock me as much. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's back, it's back to that. It's the goals are just checkpoints. They're not endpoints. Exactly. It's a destination you're heading into. We've said this before. It's a destination. It's not an endpoint. It's just you get to the point, check the box, and then you're on to the next one. On to the next one. And there's <laughs> for sure happiness when you get to that checkpoint, but it's not, uh, ah, I'm finally done. I can, I can sit back and do nothing now. Like, it's just more fuel to like, wow, I love this feeling. What's the next thing? Yeah. Now, now with this, Mike, what we can, we can kind of wrap it up here. I know we've had you for a long time now. Um, what is something that, what is the advice that you would give your younger self? You know, growing up, grandma raising you, you don't really have much role models around you. You have your grandmother's voice and, and, and no one else to look to, to, to basically escape the situation that you don't fully understand yet. How, what, what advice would you give that child? I would say first, man, um, slow down. I would tell myself, slow down. Uh, you have nothing to prove to nobody. 
I think that was a big thing. The first thing I would tell them, you have nothing to prove to anyone here. You don't have to fight 12 people. You don't have to be hard. Slow down, figure out what you really want in life. Make a plan, seek mentorship and do it. And then from there, the biggest lesson I learned, um, I would tell them if you're not feeling these things, then you're not moving in the right direction. If you don't feel discomfort, if you don't feel fear, if you don't feel a tad bit of pain, that means you're moving in the wrong direction. But when you start feeling one of those, that means you're moving in the right direction. Amazing. <laughs> Mic drop. I felt that one. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, but it's funny you say that because right now, like, when I meditate, I reflect back. Like, it's almost like the kid me is a, a different person. Like, it's some kid I got to protect. And I reflect back. And that's also motivation. And then I visualize future Mike. So it's two different people I'm visualizing. I visualize future Mike. And when I visualize future Mike, and it's like he's telling me, like, hey, man, please don't let me down. Like, please don't. We let go of the mm. basketball dream. I don't need you. Please don't walk away from this. Yeah. That future self. That future self, man, Mike. Make it, it's, uh, put in put in perspective what you have to do right now. I love that. Right. Understanding yeah. where you came from and understand where you're going. Never yes, forgetting sir. either one. Mm. I love that. All right. So until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning. Make your own path. Charlie Mike. Charlie Mike. Continue Charlie your Mike. mission. I right, appreciate much. it, Mike. Thank you very much. Likewise, man. I enjoyed Thank you guys, you, man. We'll definitely be talking soon. Oh, this Absolutely. is just the beginning. No doubt. Only just, the, the beginning. just the start. Hell yeah. All right, man. Y'all have a good night. Work is sponsored by ourselves. Also, Kung Fitness and Merchant Designs, baby. Follow us on Instagram at footwork underscore podcast. Twitter is at footwork podcast. YouTube and Facebook, just check out footwork podcast. Search it. Email us if you need anything, any questions at footworkpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, plug, plug, pass. Tell your parents, Amazon delivery guy, mailman, I don't know who, just tell them. Like, subscribe, review, all of it helps. Danke.